What's up, everyone? My name is Wes, and you're listening to the Ear Coffee Podcast. In today's episode, I talked with all five members of the indie rock band Gowns. Earlier this year, they released their debut album, Revelations. We got to chat about the evolution of their songwriting process, the challenges and highlights of making the record, and a whole lot more. Without any further ado, here's my interview with John, Zach, Evan, Andrew, and Brian of Gowns on the Ear Coffee Podcast. How are you doing on this uh, went, uh, Tuesday night? I don't know why I thought it was a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> doing great. Hey. Good, good. Yeah. Can't um, believe this is yeah, finally. Um, so just to get things started, uh, I would love for everyone to just briefly introduce themselves. What's your name? What's your role in the band? And we can take it from there. Hi, I'm John. Um, I sing the songs and um, am kind of the punching bag of everybody else in the band. <laughs> Emotionally, <laughs> Emotionally, you know. It'd be weird if it was physical. That'd be an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> yeah, that'd be weird. No, no, no. I'm Andrew Oakland. I play the bass. I'll make it go boom, boom. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Evan Willie. I play the guitar, um, and that's about it. I'm Zach Rife. Play the drums. I'm Brian Stanley. I play the guitar as well, and I'm the primary puncher of John Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally, you sounded a little too proud of that, so maybe you need some band therapy after this. But don't let me be the final ca- final judgment. Um. Cool. Uh, nice to meet all of you. Uh, I find that pretty much everyone who goes the extra distance to record music, play music live, and do all the things that come with being in a band have had a really strong connection with music just as a listener for quite some time. So I'm curious, and we can kind of just go as much of all, as many of uh, all five of you want to share. Um, did each of you kind of grow ra- grow up around music, have musical childhoods, and... Um, even if you didn't really get involved in music until later, what were the first bands or artists that really connected with you and made you kind of realize how like, wow, music is, this is the best thing ever. I love this so much. And kind of was that first step into the journey of becoming a musician and being in a band and everything that comes with that. And, uh, we can kind of keep the same order, but, uh, whatever y'all are feeling, I'm cool with. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, uh, cool. We'll go the other way, I guess, huh? Or do you want to start, John? Oh. <laughs> okay, John. Yeah. Whatever, Brian, whatever, man. Yes, you know, the decision. Okay. Are you sure? <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, this is John. Um, I was born in West Virginia in a um, very conservative Christian Southern gospel kind of environment. My mother was on the radio when she was five years old. Um, they had to put her on a table. She remembers just like being on a table to like sing into the microphone. Um, and yeah, I grew up in that environment and sang a lot in church. And then somewhere around like 14 years old, I found Coldplay and I found Viva La Vida. And, uh, I thought I was going to hell for listening to it, but I couldn't not listen to it. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of what got me, uh, into music and away from probably the better wishes of my parents. I'm right there with you. <laughs> Coldplay? Yeah. Do it. Coldplay like Maroon 5 and getting me out oh, of like awesome. that Christian background. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, 
Oh, this is Andrew. Um, that's my name. I, was, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up in North Dakota. Um, I really. I got into music from from my dad. He played the the organ uh, in the navy, and uh, he also played the French horn. I never I never heard him play the French horn, but he likes to talk about it. We're learning new things here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. He played the organ, so we always had some sort of keyboard in the house, and. I just like playing it, and I've, I've always just enjoyed having it in my life. And, um, yeah, it definitely stems from my dad. He was, he was really into rock music and a little bit of, like, Stevie Wonder, so I did some funk and soul stuff. But, yeah, that's, that's how I got playing. Uh, this is Evan. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I also played the French horn starting in fifth grade. <laughs> I did not know <laughs> Just the French horn is, is awesome. Uh, and, yeah, I played that. And then um, I joined jazz band once I got into high school. I played guitar for that. So, But I, I wasn't really into jazz that much, but I was really into, like, indie, any alternative indie lo-fi music. So when I was 15, I joined my first band, um, and we, did, we were, like, a lo-fi project. Um, I grew up here in Minneapolis, by the way. And, um, yeah, I started with doing that, played a couple of gigs here and there for a while, and then um, did some other bands after high school, but then I joined Gowns, and I've been here ever since. Uh, this is Zach. I, uh, like Andrew, also grew up in North Dakota. Um, music for me, uh, I guess like a lot of people, it just your parents playing it all the time. Um, grew up with like a, a classic uh, Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, um, Metallica, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. And then for my mom's side, it was the uh, like the Cars and the Bengals and replacements, stuff like that. Um, so I've always had a, a passion for music. Um, throughout school, it was it was mostly sports for me. Um, so my my taste really opened up in college, I think. And that's kind of where everything expanded. And, and I was like, well, don't have sports now. So what do I do? Got to be busy, do something new. Right. And I uh, started watching YouTube videos, bought a crappy electronic drum kit and just started learning how to play. Um, and then from there, uh, I actually met Brian and a couple other buddies in, in school uh, up at NDSU. And we had a little band uh, going for a while called Monday night. Um, everyone kind of split ways and, and went to different States out of college. So uh, that broke up, and then uh, I was here for about a year or so and, and found John on, on Craigslist. And, uh, yeah, we're a Craigslist band, baby. Craigslist band, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're proud, man. We need patches. Uh, but, yeah, I found, found John, uh, found Evan, actually, before I met up with John, and Evan came on a little bit later. But, um, yeah, really really ever since high school, music has kind of been the, the focus of, of life um, for me. This is Brian. Uh, I have pretty uh, pretty similar stories in a lot of ways. Where a lot of the music influence didn't start until like middle of high school, late high school. Um, listening with your parents to all the stuff that they ever listened to, um, and then I joined choir as like my first music venture. And I was in choir all the way throughout college. Um, a lot of listening to like Hippocampus was a really big influence for me, like late high school. Uh, classic rock's always been huge for me, um, Phoenix and uh, like Vampire Weekend, that kind of stuff. The voice really spoke to me in my later years of school. Um, and then yeah, me and Zach met, had a band going Monday night, 
um, fell apart. <laughs> was in some cover bands through the years, and then moved to Minneapolis a little over a year ago and joined Gowns like pretty much right when I moved here, a few weeks after, and the rest is history. I do. Uh, I do want to backtrack one second. I forgot an important detail. Uh, so I did aspire to be a musician in uh, grade four. And I tried out for the drums. Um, music teacher, not a huge fan of what I had to offer. Uh, said I couldn't keep a beat. So as a kid, when you hear that, you know, you're kind of ruined, right? You're like, well, that's never going to happen. So I'm like, what do I do? I get aggression, right? I go start Taekwondo. You know, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to do this. I jump into football, get more aggressive. So much angst, listening to Lincoln Park and like Slipknot and all that stuff. Um, so I, I think... At this point, I want to thank uh, that music teacher, wherever you are. Um, Call him out. Give a shout out. Yeah, it's a, it's, it was a rough start, but uh, I'm happy with where it's at now. I mean, yeah. how good can you expect a fourth grader to be at drums? Like, what's the standard? That's what I'm saying. He's like, you want to go do trumpet? And I was like, no. It's like, oh Absolutely my God. I want to hit so stuff. Come on. In retrospect, I wish I would have, honestly. I mean, if I could have started with trumpet or piano, that probably would have been setting myself up a little bit better, but I was like, nah, I'm going to go break some bones and play sports. Yeah. <laughs> Try French horn. You've already kind of touched on this and to get into the aforementioned history. Um, how did gowns actually start, uh, at least initially form? Because I know there's been at least a handful of lineup changes over the years and different members kind of coming and going and eventually arriving at the current quintet that we have in front of me. Um, so yeah, just kind of talk about a little bit about how the band initially got started, um, even before the hollows came out. And then how did, uh, the five of you kind of come together as that group and feel free to re-mention Craigslist and all in the Monday night and all the stuff we've kind of hinted at. Much like Star Sausage. Yeah, totally. Well, um, yeah, so I actually moved from West Virginia from college and uh, I came out here with my girlfriend at the time. And um, <laughs> and anyway, um, we, we actually were in a band and it like, like it really didn't work out. Like if you think about like things not working out, I think like the extreme, like of things not working out, like that's what happened. <laughs> and then, so I was like, literally like kind of unhoused and for like a summer and I was really lost and like just had so many questions about myself and um you know but I was pushing I was pushing I was pushing it you know and uh I just started you know feeling the Craigslist uh thing out and um I got in touch with so many weirdos um some of which ended up being in the band to start out with (laughs) 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 including Zach um, I'd like to put in, but, um, yeah, so that's, uh, put, and so Zach, I don't know what your experience was meeting me on Craigslist. Uh, yeah, it's pretty similar. Um, got here and, and didn't know where to start. Uh, didn't know very many people here, uh, when I moved and the people I did know weren't, uh, into music, um, like that. So a lot of Craigslist, a lot of swings and misses. Um, I, I was up to bat probably like six or seven times and struck out, uh, every single time. Um, and eventually I, I did meet up with Evan and, and we had another guy we were jamming with and, um, somehow, uh, right in front of my eyes, Evan kind of got pushed out of that equation. Uh, <laughs> yeah. which unfortunately, I mean, it fizzled out regardless, but, uh, eventually, you know, I, I'm back to square one and, and I find John's posting and I think Charlie actually reached out to me and, mm-hmm. and talked to me about it. And Charlie was one of the, the first guitarists here. Um, 
but yeah, we, we started jamming a little bit, uh, played some strokes. Um, and then we were looking for another guitarist and I'm like, Hey, I got this guy. He's great. Uh, I truly don't know what happened, why he's not with me right now. Uh, and along came Evan. Um, not that long after I, I met up with John, I'd say about a month, maybe less. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's how, how us three got here. Um, yeah, Evan, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I don't know why I got kicked out of the I didn't really get kicked out of the band. I just remember them, well, where I was forced organizing. I was coerced. And they were like, we should cover this song. And I was like, hmm. I don't really like that song. I can't remember what song it was. But I really didn't like it. I was like, I voiced my opinion. Like, and then he kept saying that I played country style. I was like, I don't play country. I don't, I'm not playing country. I put, I, I made one bend. And he was like, why? Like, that's, that's enough. Totally country. Like, I am not playing country. And then that was enough for him. He was enough for him. He didn't like me. I don't know. You know, Zach hit me up a couple months later. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it all worked out there's it's a lot of there's strange paths you know in, in life and, and it seems to always find its way back um what we will be um but yeah we, we went through a couple a uh, couple guitars a couple bassists um just trying to find the right fits and uh eventually we found ourselves last summer um down two members um and i knew at the time that brian was a fantastic bassist guitarist singer and I thought, what, a, what an addition it would be if we could make that work. And uh, he moved down. There was a lot of interest on on his part, both parties. And, and he jumped in. And we were kind of in the studio at that time. Um, so it was, a, it was a unique time for him to hop in. Uh, you know, it, it, but his con uh, contributions right away were, were fantastic. And obviously, my rapport with him was great. Uh, a lot of history there. And, and him, John, and Evan seemed to, to hit it off as well. And and. Uh, shortly, well, not shortly after that, probably about a, a year, maybe a little less. Um, Andrew, who knows Brian pretty well, uh, went to school together. Kind of the the same um, same alley happened. Uh, Brian brought on uh, Andrew, and it's it's been great. Um, I think we got the we got the right group of guys, and it's been a, a lot of work to try and figure it out. But um, I think we're in a pretty good place now, and, and hopefully we can focus on other things moving forward and turnover is never fun it's a lot of it's a lot of uh carbon being pulled out steps yeah. back yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah that's good to <clears throat> figure out how everybody's coming together um kind of jumping back there since we got to the more recent uh, arrival of andrew on the scene but um jumping back to um even before the hollows came out because the hollows was the first ep the band put out just Three songs put out in March of 2020, um, right before literally everything happened. And uh, we'll just kind of <laughs> not get into that much. But uh, <laughs> um, when you were first with that group of uh, musicians putting together those songs, were those songs that the band had been working on for a little while since kind of initially forming in earlier in 2019 or even just like a little while before that? And... Um, what was the process like putting those songs together and eventually ending up with the recorded versions? Just, I'd love to hear a little bit about that initial release and kind of how everything was moving and shaking around that time uh, with those first three songs that y'all put out under the gowns moniker. Cool. Yeah. So I think November of 2018 
is about when the song started to take shape. I we say this, yeah around the last there. Few years are <laughs> <laughs> it's been alright, but yeah, I think November of 2018 is when we first started getting together, and um, you know, Carrie Ann was kind of pre-built a little bit because it was just a song that came to me in this you know very stressful time before gowns, but you know, it was still finding itself uh, a lot through gowns. So, so Carrie Ann uh, kind of came with a, for the most part, uh, at least like the lyrics. Uh, into the band but then everything else in the album was you know written within this band and i think it took about um 10 months 11 months of you know we were rehearsing and just trying to find our sound and finding what made us similar and you know those songs like um just kind of sloppily came together and then they kind of we were kind of giving them tons of space and then uh, our guitarist at the time, Charlie, said that he was leaving to work with the Detroit Lions. Uh, tigers, Detroit Tigers and Lions and Bears. Wait, which is it? It's the Myers. Tigers. Lions are mine. Okay. Detroit Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he gave us, like, I don't know, three weeks notice, a month notice, something like that. Pretty quick, yeah. It, it was a quick turnaround. So we were like, holy crap, we have to find money. We have to find the studio. We have to like really write these songs through, you know? And yeah, Matt Patrick from the library recording studio in Northeast. Um, Zach and I went and like interviewed with him, just like try to feel out the place. And, you know, we thought it sounded like it sounded great, you know, and uh, we loved working with him. He, uh, he really helped us to flesh those songs out last minute. <clears throat> um, Zach, do you remember like a moment in the studio? Evan, do you remember a moment in the studio where you were like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if this is going to work out? Yeah, I think it was the recording style that we chose to go with was, um, what's it called? We're doing it live. We tried to do a full oh, band live recording. Uh, right away, full band all at once. Yeah, just didn't work, um, especially with songs like Lighthouse. Like, good luck. Um, that was one that when we were recording it and actually going through the, the tempos and everything, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> what did we write? Like, how is this even possible? Like, there's, like, tempo changes in the song itself, so that was pretty interesting yeah. to figure out. Um, yeah, and I think, one, like, the first time we ran through a song, we were like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. But we pulled it together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, new for, it was new for me. I mean, I had done some, like, home studio recording with – uh, Monday night, but it's, I mean, in a, you know, professional setting like that with, with a, a producer, it's, it's a lot different and um, it can, it can take a little bit time, uh, time to get comfortable to in a, in a new studio and stuff like that. It, um, but it, it worked out. Uh, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of, of learning. The curve was a little bit uh, rough at first, but I think we, we caught on pretty well and, and learned a lot from that experience. Mm. Yeah. Um, it kind of sounds like, so John, you kind of brought the songs to the table, is like the core ideas and like the lyrics. And do you uh, kind of I, normally form the songs initially and then have like the band kind of fleshes them out with adding their parts and adding their specific skill sets or at least initially during that era of the band? Um, just kind I of think thinking we, back. I think we become more democratic over time. I think at the beginning, like Kirian, especially, like I think Kirian, like was like the song that like I like wrote the progression and wrote the like lyrics and then but like you know the composition itself really like found itself within gowns because like i remember i wrote like like probably ten, like eight verses <laughs> and, like, and i couldn't figure out that like, that was 
bad. And so I was working with accounts. And, you know, I mean, everybody loves a seven minute like song with the <laughs> same verse over and over. <laughs> but, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I think that like it was just a really awkward thing as like I tried to I tried to be a primary songwriter. Um, and it's just. You know, I, I learned a lot because, like, I'd never been in in this world of like being in a band and like having um, a band I play with like a, a lot, and like also trying to write lyrics and things like that. But like over time, like things have become so democratic, and like I, you know, like we write together. Like we, um, Timepiece is a great example of just like Evan had a riff and it was sick, and then Zach laid down some drums, and uh, Brian uh, laid down this. Um, you know, uh, laid on bass and then, yeah, the song was born and, um, we had a lot of like conversations about lyrics, um, and collaboration and that's how we write, you know, now, like we are, um, a anarchists and an- anarchists <laughs> and <laughs> no, no artists. <laughs> yeah, I think it, <laughs> I think it's just changed a lot. Um, I would say definitely at the beginning, I think, John had a, a Google Drive full of seeds that he had been working on for quite a while. And um, to start, uh, like you said, Carrie Ann was, was all but all but finished, really. There was a lot of it done. Um, but as we started to move on, you know, we have this drive full of seeds that John brings to the table for that, that first year and a half or so. Um, we're kind of just cherry-picking riffs and, and vocals that we like and trying to figure out how to have them t- come together and I mean, even Sleepover, I think I was away on business when you guys wrote Sleepover. <laughs> and I came back and they're like, you got to do drums for this track. I was like, hell yeah, this thing slaps. Uh, and Lighthouse, I don't even know what that is. Like, that that kind of just happened. Uh, I don't even know. You know where that was initially written was uh, beside the neurological center, beside the, the, um, the, uh, the Guthrie Theater. Uh, it was June and they had a piano outside. Like that's where the progression like happened. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's where that was. <laughs> but it, it has changed quite a bit, I would say. Um, and we're still trying to figure that out. To, to it's be frank. naturally growing as yeah. all y'all can continue to work together. Yeah. Um, with those first couple songs and just uh, with that EP, um, just again disregarding anything um, pandemic related that you would not have been able to foresee um, when you kind of just picked that release date and uh, were gearing up to put that out. What were you hoping to get out of that first EP? Um, Because even a first EP or first release is always just such a huge thing for any band. And um, there's kind of the anecdote, like you have forever to write your first release or album. And then as once you put that out, then you're kind of on a schedule. Um, Even if it's just like internal. Um, So what was kind of the mindset with putting that out? What were you hoping to get out of that? Just um, on your end, kind of, again, disregarding any p- unfortunate timing that you had no way of knowing about or such, uh, anything like that. I had to put it in one word. I'd say momentum. <laughs> I think we were just looking, we were just looking to really come out with a bang and start playing shows. And the, the release show was a, a great, great time. It was an awesome crowd and people were dancing and, you know, it, that's what you love about live music and being a musician. And, you know, we had two or three shows lined up and we're just starting to book out for the summer, uh, hopefully. And obviously everything happened. So it kind of came to a, a screeching stop. Um, so I think momentum was what we were going after. And I think we were, we were getting there. Um, uh, but you're right. Uh, it, it did 
it threw kind of threw everything off track and it just like for everyone everywhere doing anything, it just, uh, it was abrupt and tough to adjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that I know a lot of the time when I talk to bands, when they first plan a release, it's just like, hey, I just want to be able to send something to venues or house shows when booking. So they know what we sound mm-hmm. like instead of just kind of guessing yeah, well, or trying to like yeah. do like rock <laughs> or something like in quotes or anything like that. Yeah. No, yeah. That too. I mean, I, I think for me, I was just trying to write a, a song, I, like, you know, find the songs within this band because like, you know, I, it's easy to jam <laughs> for 15 minutes, you know, as a band, but what, what can you say no to so much that you can cut all the fat off and it's like three and a half minutes. And like, what is that statement at the center? You know? So for me, it was just about finding the song, you know, within this, uh, within us. Um, so following that, uh, over the course, of like the last year and a half or so, uh, roughly estimating the band has just put out a string of singles, the four songs, castles, logotherapy, measuring numbers and left behind all songs that ended up on the album, but were released kind of without the pretension of being singles, quote unquote, for the album. Like, uh, just kind of when I was looking back through like social media posts, like, y'all were very open about the fact that you were working on an album that that's what your everything was kind of pointing towards, but it didn't really feel like a formal rollout, especially given just kind of, you're just putting out singles every like four to six months or so. Um, so with those songs and just kind of that unique release schedule, were they always going to end up on the album or were they just kind of, were you just putting out songs as you released them just kind of engage with people? If listeners are like a quote like a little treat every once in a while and just say hey we finished the song here you are let enjoy it um just kind of talk a little bit about that because i think that's just kind of an interesting um approach whether it was intentional or not to putting out singles i guess if you can call them that just or i guess songs that would end up on the album um eventually uh just kind of share a little bit about that as you were working on those on working on the album, working on those four songs specifically. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I would say it, it was a little unorthodox. Um, I think the intention uh, in a perfect world, uh, the, the singles would have been closer together. Um, but as you know, the, the last year was challenging and, and, and it was a lot of back and forth trying to find time uh, with studio uh, with Jack about to check at uh, a tangerine and, and he's really busy and it was just in the middle of uh, having a child. So it was, it was a lot of schedule conflicts, right. And uh, making sure everyone felt comfortable and, and we got to a place where we could really hammer down. So it was, I think that combined with, you know, once, once castles was finished, we're like in this weird state, just like every other band, right. We don't have anything going on. We can't promote shows. We can't uh, go out play. We can't do anything really. So what can we do? And that's share some new music, right? That's, that's kind of all we had left at that point in terms of uh, true, like give and take and interaction with fans. Um, they were all, all the songs were always going to be on the album um, that we released as singles. Um, again, in a perfect world, I think we, we have that timeline rolled out a little bit better, but you know what? Uh, it was a little unorthodox, but so was the last year. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of just no, no judgment. Healthy. I was just, just curious. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, you're you're good. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it it was strange, but it was it was kind of just like 
you know, we wanted to make sure that we gave enough time before each single to give heads up to places like Spotify and radio stations and et cetera, um, to give us the best shot we can have at, at getting featured or played, uh, wherever it may be. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it wasn't in, intentional, uh, but that's just kind of how it, uh, turned out. Yeah. To add to, to every single song that was released as like a single quote unquote had a visual paired with it. So we released the song and then we had X amount of time. You can walk by. <laughs> we, we had like X amount of time to um, really focus on collaborations with other artists, um, visually speaking. Some of them didn't work out, but the ones that did were wonderful to work with. Um, but that ate up a lot of time in between releases because we'd have a song release and then we'd have a video release. So what looks like four months for a song is actually two pieces of content between those months we learn a lot <laughs> yeah yeah we'll be better next time we promise less. <laughs> <laughs> um as you were just writing and recording when you could uh, but primarily i guess like writing and working together as just as the band and putting together all the songs that would end up as the album or end up on the album excuse me um what stood out about those four tracks that made you want to put them out um, in advance of the album and just kind of this song we think is really cool. Let's release it. So fans can like listeners and like radio stations and we can do all the things that come with that. And also like work with these visual artists. What about those four songs caught your ears just even compared to the other, I guess three, I think it is, uh, I guess a f- main songs, not kind of like the interludes um, that ended up on the album. Uh, just, what made those four songs special to each of your ears as you were figuring out what to put out and what your next step was? I think that uh, they were essential in, in like the strictest sense of the word, like of the essence of gowns, uh, you know, um, castles was kind of our first like anthem, like, you know, just something that you could almost imagine being played in a stadium or something like that. Um, and like, left behind was very creative and it took you into these different, uh, you know, it was a very like atypical like structure and like, you know, just took you to these different places and, um, you know, like <laughs> part of it feels like it's in space, you know, it, it was, it was kind of weird. And like that captured that kind of essence of like a lighthouse, you know, and it was almost a through line of like, you know, we're, we're there's these pop songs that could be anthems, but there's also like this weird kind of, um, you know, interesting element, you know, we're, we are artists. Um, I would like to think, um, <laughs> and then, yeah, like, um, I, I would say that that's, that's it. It kind of showed our, uh, the essence of our creativity and yeah. of our am- ambitions, the the full range of gowns yeah, possibility. There's, there's a bit, it, it hits all ends of the, the spectrum. I think with those four songs. Yeah. Um, kind of, Shifting into talking about the album writ large, uh, the full project, um, but still talking about those four songs. Um, what was the timeline for writing all of those, um, specifically those four, but even kind of getting into the other uh, tracks on the album? Were these all songs kind of written post hollows or were they, you mentioned like the Google Drive is kind of pulling riffs and melodies and things that caught your ears over time and using those to flesh out songs and create ideas um, as a group and that more democratic kind of 
mindset to songwriting. Um, but yeah, just kind of what was the timeline for those over that year, year and a half that the singles were kind of coming out. And I guess even especially before that, as you were really laying down the bones for these songs and first kind of conceptualizing them. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong guys, but paper hearts is kind of uh, an OG song. I think that's been around since like pretty much the beginning. Um, I think it was like March of 2019. It's been around for, uh, it's been around for a while. It's gone through uh, various changes. Um, Logo therapy too. Uh, logo therapy's been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. but oh that my song gosh! Is nothing, <laughs> nothing like it was in 2019. So Jack wrote the chorus, by the way. <laughs> Jack helped. Uh, um, and then I think uh, 17 hours was post hollows, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that was a, a beautiful seed brought to uh, brought to us by Evan. Um, he had a a big big hand in that one. Um, and then imaginary number left behind timepiece were all written uh i guess from last summer until we released it right mm-hmm. um so those are all pretty new um as well as the interlude and the outro um same sort of there uh, so there's a couple couple stragglers from uh from old gowns and then we kind of started uh taking our, our roots from that and trying to shift and, and form our future, whatever Lord knows what that is. Uh, but yeah, a couple of them were, were uh, leftovers. I think, uh, I think paper hearts was originally intended to be on the EP actually. And we got talked out of, uh, by a, a producer at the time, which we're fine with. Um, I think it, at, at that point it wasn't as ready as it was uh, in the studio. So yeah. <laughs> blessing in disguise, I guess. Um, yeah. Don't ask me how I felt that day. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, a couple stragglers, and then uh, the the bulk of it, I think, was uh, stuff that we wrote in the last uh, more last recent kind of yeah writing with the current unit of gown, at least um, yep. pre Andrew, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, Andrew hasn't done anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was brutal. Just say the quiet part loud. <laughs> um, Every day. <laughs> Especially as you were um, locking in kind of the musical direction that you wanted to take on Revelations, um, especially given, like you mentioned, that some of the straggler songs just grew a lot over the couple of years that they existed and were kind of being tinkered with and worked on. Um, what were some of your primary inspirations um, when you were either just writing the lyrics, putting together the music? Because it's just kind of, whenever I listen to Gowns, it's always just very anthemic kind of indie rock where it's familiar but just kind of it stands out because the execution more so than anything else and but that's just my ears i'm just one person um so i'm curious kind of what was going through your heads as you were kind of locking in the parts and all of the different elements that would make each song what it what it was i suppose (laughs) our influences change every day (laughs) yeah good answer that's fair (laughs) We'll like all get on the same page. We're like, yeah, we need to be more art, you know, artists. Like, yeah, like you know, forget the expectations. Like, you know, the replacements. Like, I don't know. Uh, what about Johnny Cash? Yeah. But then, like, <laughs> then the next day, like, someone will come in and they're like, 
yeah, we need to be like more corporate and like, you know, cool. And like, you know, you know, sell out like 1975. Like, I don't know. Not that they sold out. But. No. And I'm. They were always you, on a major label. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, these like bands that like kind of come in with the expectation of being on, on a stage and, you know, regardless of if they sell out or not, because it could be an artistic expression that you like want to play with a lot of people, I guess, you know, so, you know, but anyway, we changed Zach's right. Like we changed on a daily basis. And I think even, within the album we had like visions um for the entire album i would say what like dream uh uh, tears for fears yeah a lot of a lot of 80s like power pop um and early 2000s alternative and um evan enlightened me uh a lot with new wave um Mm -hmm. and we took a bunch of that uh into into the writing as well and obviously that uh like the heavy hitters of the 2000s like strokes and killers um I think that's yeah, yeah yeah that's been since the beginning yeah and it's interesting because i've literally i literally before this band i never listened to the strokes or the killers and i still really haven't listened to anything <laughs> by the strokes or the killers but wow. <laughs> the killers and i think it's a it's an accurate comparison but I mean, I don't know what they do. Yeah. Well, people say I sound like Brandon Flowers and like, I've never listened to like the killers, like for, you know, I've heard like, uh, Mr. Sunshine, <laughs> Mr. Brightside, come on, man. <laughs> come on. I think I think this is a lie. Billy and Streams, come on. <laughs> well, I didn't do most of those. Ads. <laughs> One of the best. I can't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know we, we do have our references for the entire album and then we had in we, we had an individual treatment too you know like paper yeah. hearts is so different from castles uh in its execution so like i don't know paper hearts we we had mentioned like the growlers um some of these okay. you know beach goth bands at one point yeah um castles we were like pulling from tears for fears uh maybe like the band Camino, uh, 1975, you know, with, you know, some of the production elements and things like that. Yeah. Um, thinking of the album as a whole, how did the, how you, how did, how do you conceptualize the full thing? Like thinking of like, here is what our end result is going to be and what it's going to look and sound like. How did that change (laughs) over the course of the year or so that you were working on it? At least like really intently working on it even if some of the songs came from a prior time, just how did that idea of what this album would look like before it really even locked in, how did that change over the process of writing and eventually recording and just kind of putting everything together um, and ending up with what we now are able to listen to any time of day? (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's a great question. Um, we can unpack all of it at some other time. Uh, really, I, I think one of the things we we floated back and forth quite a bit uh, over the past year was uh, how do we? I mean, obviously, as as we mentioned earlier, some of the songs are are kind of from earlier gowns, and and a lot of them are from new. So we tried to how can we fit these all together without it sounding like two different albums uh, as best as we can. Um, and I think what we decided was let's put this this new kind of uh, pop rock twist on some of these older, more underground, like alternative rock style songs and see if we can get there to be some like common ground or happy medium between that like old style of more 
uh, like more lo-fi, I guess, uh, rock that we were doing into this new, uh, just adding a, a splash of production onto it. Um, but I think, I think one way to sum it up, the album itself and how we look at it is uh, progression uh, as a band and kind of going from what we were over the past two years into this, into the future and the, the last year um, and how much we've changed. And, and I think, you know, when you listen all the way through, you can at least, I mean, obviously it's easy for us, but you can, you can kind of tell, okay, this one seems like it's a newer one, or this one seems like, Hey, those two jerks that left the band, uh, seeking Farley, they probably had a hand in this one. Huh? <laughs> uh, but no, it's a, I think, I think progression uh, and growth is a, is a really good way to sum that, that album up. Um, and revelations is just a cool word. So also I mean, those revelations and like finding ourselves. Yeah, know? exactly. And also, it's kind of feels like the end of days right now. In general, there's 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 a biblical push behind it. Just I, I, with like the title "Left Behind" and "Revelation," I'm like, is this just gonna be like a Christian concept record? Like, what's going on? Here? <laughs> no, 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 no concept. But we just uh, the word is so uh, it's so diverse, and like there's a lot of a lot of meaning to the word revelation, revelations, and um, I think it's a it's a beautiful beautiful word to describe a lot of different things and. Um, like John said, the, the end of days type feel we had and, and having revelations as, you know, and we're all in a transitional period in life, you know, coming out of college and going into the, the, the real world, so to speak, it, you're going to have some revelations like, oh shit, I missed college or something. You know what I mean? Like, but no, it's a, I think it's a, a progression. I think it's kind of a, a summation of like where we were, where, where we are now and where we're going, um, is kind of what it ended up being, I believe. Yeah. Uh, this is, you already kind of answered this, but I'm just kind of curious if maybe the phrasing will change a little bit. Uh, do you think that spending so much time on the album and just like being able to work on it for so long, do you think that was like, do you think there would have been like a version of the album that you could have finished like, six months ago and put out and still been happy with, or do you think that no, you needed every single day and minute spent working on it over the past like year and a half, two years to really make it the best possible album that gowns could put out that each of you can be as proud of, or I guess the most proud of. Um, and just like, did you, do you think that the time spent working on it and just really grinding on it, um, songwriting, recording and everything that comes with it, you think it was entirely beneficial or were there points where you might've felt like this is ready to put out and I don't really know why we're still working on it. Or I think I kind of know what the answer is since you just sound like it was just a constant progression, which is good to hear. But uh, I'm curious if you have any additional thoughts kind of in that regard. I think, I think for me, maybe it's a little bit, a little bit less about the time and the the person. Um, so, so with Jack, um, things did go a little bit slower, but I think the, we had Jack and we had Jack for a reason. Uh, we, there's a great connection between us and him and his working style and ours and our vision and how he understands that vision. And I think once we had that, we found like a whole new way of doing things within his studio, like under his wing and having him there. Uh, I don't think we, based off of our first recording, I think we all thought like, hey, we can probably knock this album out and like, uh, two weekends or something, you know what I mean? Like four or five, six days. Uh, that's not how it ended up. Uh, believe it or not. 
Um, but no, it, it, it did take a lot of time and I don't know to answer your question directly. I don't know if we could have done, could have gotten the same result that we did in less time necessarily. And if so, fraction, at, least, at least like active time. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. scheduling conflicts. I think we're, yeah, yeah. that was like the biggest thing of why it took so long. I think yeah. there's a lot of, not even really downtime, but time where we could like use just in our practice space. Well, I'll work in full-time jobs too. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes. <laughs> a lot of it's a lot of planning and scheduling, right? But yeah. I agree, Zach. I don't think that the more people you have in a band, the the harder it is to schedule anything. Yeah. Just, Especially you know, when you're trying to be democratic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all like having that collaborative approach. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that too. On that on that note, reinventing ourselves is every time is just like. It's, it's been so hard. Like we've had so many, we've had to like, like a Phoenix, like rising from the ashes. That's been us like multiple times, you know? And like, um, as we're going into the studio, like Brian, like we, we missed two people and then Brian just hopped on. So like, there's so much that was missing from our sound and that had to be reinvented. And, and Brian had to just like come up with, you know, stuff on the spot. And yeah, I mean, it, it was really, um, uh, there's a challenge. And Evan too filling in a second guitar spot. Yep. Like figuring out what was played. And, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just like had to, because Charlie had already written some of the parts and I just decided to steal them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's like, stealing, but <laughs> <laughs> borrowing. <laughs> his, his name's on there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so this is a, uh, uh, another kind of broad question and um, I'm almost especially interested to hear what Andrew has to say just as someone who primarily was introduced just kind of by listening to the songs and then has now had to learn them once they've all been written but uh, what is each of your like favorite kind of part or moment on the final album if you just pulled it up on Spotify right now what would be the part that you would want to show someone best that you like your or first that you're most proud of just as an individual and it doesn't have to be your own part or something that you did, but just what's your favorite moment on the album and kind of a tie in question. What was the, each of your individual, I guess, biggest challenge when you were either playing or writing and recording and just the album over that entire process and progression, um, of putting everything together and just a highlight and not even necessarily a low light, but just a challenge. I'm going first. Okay. So <laughs> didn't mean to put you on the no, spot, but part, <laughs> I did. Uh, my favorite part of the album for sure is right when the first time the chorus drops in on love of therapy, <laughs> like the first few times I heard that, I just like, was like screaming it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm sure no, that's but I love that. I don't think it's just like a really infectious chorus. It's just so uh, it's such a nice anthem. Um, and then I think the biggest challenge after hearing all of them and then trying to play it is is trying to stay true to to the vision that they all made, and also try to feel like I'm still playing like myself and adding, you know, the, the part musically that is that is me that isn't necessarily maybe not what they. Thinking when they wrote it, but like something I think adds that's something nice and that's something that's true to me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, biggest challenge. Biggest challenge. I I think <laughs> I think that the biggest challenge was 
so like I spend, I have a really interesting schedule with my work. Um, I work for 80 hours straight and then I get 11 days off. And yeah, yeah. So, you know, really it's almost like I don't have a job for 11 days. And in that time I'm writing, I'm, you know, exploring myself as, you know, as an artist, like I'm, I'm like doing all these things in these notebooks I have. <laughs> Mario Kart, Sonic, you know, Minecraft. just in the boxers. <laughs> Potato chips, dude, it's awesome. <laughs> that, but for real, like, but yeah, no, I, um, I'm always like doing like art outside of, um, on, on the daily <laughs> outside of the 80 hours and and so that equates to three days and three nights and um but outside of that like it's it's all art for me and so like i think the biggest challenge that i have is like you know how do i continue to push myself as an artist and then bring myself into a democratic experience in a way that i can step back and like not like f- like try to force the all the crap I came up with in, you know, 11 days, how do I like leave that at home and then just bring the skills that I learned in that time and and bring that here with a blank slate? Because, you know, I think most artists, you know, they want to possess. And uh, I just was reading the uh, lawsuit today, but like, you know, uh, how can you make without possessing? And um, that was the hardest thing to learn is like, how do I come up, come in without possessing anything and just start creating with people. Yeah. And uh, just since you were, we're still on you, John, did you have a favorite moment on the album or just because part that you feel most proud of just as either a listener or as a performer, just a real highlight for your ears? Uh, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's so hard. Um, I, that, I, you, it might vary just depending on what day it is or what time it is. This is not a hard and locked in or anything like that. Don't worry. I think the, the moment for me that like, just, um, the, the magical moment for me, I think was hearing castles on the radio, uh, from the current and then also one of three CR in West Virginia. And I won't ever get those moments out of my brain. I don't think, you know, like I, I will die just like remembering hearing castles um, being introduced on the radio, the excitement, and then just hearing that first, you know, synth build up and the drums come in like that moment is so special to me. So I, I don't think, I think that for me has to be just the most magical from the album. Well, I can't top that answer. <laughs> <laughs> Not a competition. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess challenges, like, I don't know. Like, I went through a lot of personal challenges, but um, I don't want to say too much about that. So I guess uh, musically, like, um, the one thing that was most challenging for me is that we'd incorporate a lot of feedback into into the music, which was, like, not something that I was entirely used to. Actually, I never had used feedback, like, ever. <laughs> I never used it. But then we all of a sudden had it, like, recorded in so many songs, and I had to translate that to, like, a live set. So I guess learning an entire new skill set, how to control feedback and do stuff like that has been been a challenge for me. Um, and then favorite moment on the album was there's – it's a really cool moment on Left Behind, which I really enjoy. And I feel like 
you wouldn't know that it happens if you, if you didn't point it out. And um, it's the third chorus, and we essentially like what's what is that called when you split split the harmonic rhythm in half? Split the harmonic rhythm in half. Yeah, that's a really cool <laughs> moment. I've never heard it in a song ever, so I thought it was unique thing that we we did so I, I i always enjoy that moment whenever i hear it in recording in order to like make the that chorus like pop we like cut the time that each chord plays in half so yeah if it's it's really subtle and most people probably wouldn't hear it but like the melody doesn't change but the chords underneath are going twice as fast so it just helps to like really propel into yeah, what go, that next going from like four four to cut time to use like a kind of like a, a concert band analogy almost like where right, it doesn't right, feel yeah. like the rhythm has changed or like the the meter has changed but it how you're counting it and how you're changing the chords and notes has changed. That's really yeah, it's cool. Kind of just like Stanley Kubrick esque kind of. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I feel uncomfortable right now, but I do. You know, like I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for for me, I think my favorite moment in the album, I, I, it's a tie between two and they're both in castles. Um, that second verse, that break where we have the, the Oz um, and just like a, a spaced out, uh, Evan's doing a really cool riff on the guitar and we have those like reverby, um, hollow sounding uh, vocal melody. I just, for me, that's like, uh, it just gives me a goosebump still sometimes. Uh, just It just hits me. Uh, it sounds great. I love the, it's just beautiful to me. And then uh, I also love the final buildup into the last chorus of Castles. Um, the the slide that Evan does on the guitar is like angels whispering in my ear. Like, every time I hear it, I'm like, man, that's awesome. Uh, and it's just, a, it's just a beautiful moment um, from a beautiful song. Uh, it's the, the fantastic finish of a, of a, of a really cool song with a great message. Um, but yeah, so aside from that, I think the, the biggest challenge, uh, Andrew, ironically is the logos chorus. That was a beast. Um, that again, I can't emphasize this enough. That song sounds nothing like it did, uh, a year and a half ago. Um, that one changed a lot and we spent a ton of time way more than we should have, but to no one's fault on, on that chorus, getting it to work. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth with that chorus. Um, John got mad at me a couple times, <laughs> um, but we figured it out. And, and it ended with us sitting cross-legged in a circle in the studio, <laughs> writing down lyrics and figuring how the hell are we going to make this thing work? And by the grace of God and Jack's beautiful hand, uh, we figured it out uh, and it came together. And, and it's great to hear things like what Andrew said, where it's a special moment for him um, and stuff like that makes it worth it. But yeah, that was a, that we got put through the ring around that one, but it worked out. I think hopefully did it work out Wes? You like it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like if, if you think if you as a band feel like it worked. I think that's more important than just my dumbass ears hearing something. Be like, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, but I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> I think uh, I think I had two favorite moments as well. One being the sax solo at the end of Hell the yeah, ride. hell yeah. <laughs> that drop in my head, they just like I, I don't know. I feel like it sealed the theme of space that we were kind of shooting for. Mm-hmm. It felt like you were just like floating through the stars. Super super cool moment. And I'm kind of shocked that we went through with it, honestly, sometimes. <laughs> I thought Zach would have shot it down. 
<laughs> right, we funny. can get into that. <laughs> I think the other favorite moment, uh, back to logo therapy, that song has, it's nothing like it was when I joined the band. And in the third chorus, there's a little taste of what the original riff used to be in the bass line. Oh, yeah. And it's such like a little, like, like paying respects to what it once was. Yeah. And I, like like that and I think that was also Jack's idea. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he was like playing through something and kind of just did it. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess the challenge for me was when I joined the band, I was playing bass. And when Andrew joined, he popped on bass and I had one of the second guitar parts. And it's just like finding how me and Evan work together mm-hmm. and um, how I fit between Evan's rhythm playing and uh, John on synths, his pads. Like, are we stepping on each other? Things like that. Just figuring out how, how I fit in the puzzle once again. But shit, I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think we're doing all right. Yeah. I mean, you, you put <laughs> on an album. That's, that's something in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, cool. So, uh, just for anyone listening at home that has not checked out the album, it's called Revelations. It's been out since July, so it's very much available for streaming and purchase on Bandcamp, I believe. Uh, so check it out. Um, looking forward and kind of, I guess, even kind of including the few months, uh, since the album was released and, uh, leading up to now when we're talking, um, you've been able to play at least, I think, a handful of shows just kind of from perusing social media but um where's the band heading now where are you wh- where's the band headed next i guess what does what the future hold and what are you kind of aiming towards i think i saw something about like a show coming out pretty soon so if you want to mention that that or any shows i might be missing feel free to shout those out now but uh even outside of just gigs which are very much a one-time thing where is the band heading now as a fully formed five piece on the heels of a debut album. We're hoping you could tell us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we, uh, we, uh, uh, like you said, we played a couple shows. We played a, a, sh- a sold out show at uh, 7th street with Colin Bracewell and Dury. And that right. Was, okay. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was such a fun night, man. Uh, uh, to have your first show back, be a full crowd at 7th street. Nonetheless, it was, uh, it was, it was beautiful. Um, but we, we do have another gig at 7th Street coming up next week, uh, Wednesday, September 29th. Um, and we're pumped about that as well, playing with Josh Sky and uh, Human and both very talented groups of musicians. Um, but as far as direction, uh, I think we're going to continue on, on gigging when we can. And uh, we just started uh, a couple weeks ago our first writing session. Um, and we're... We're trying to, I mean, we always have little things at, at uh, practice, you know, little jams and ideas. And But we did a full, like, session uh, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. And um, LP2 is is what we're focusing on, aside from gigs. And uh, we'll let you know in, like, another two years when we... <laughs> yeah. yeah, barring a second pandemic or just a continued first one. But, yeah. Yeah, we've already got the four-month part single schedule set that you'll hear us go <laughs> years. No, it's uh, it's a lot of uh, just hitting reset, kind of. Um, yeah. like a lot of people, I think. So, yeah, kind of a fresh start in a way. Very cool. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways. Too. Yeah, I, uh, I'd like to add to that for okay. sure. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, were you talking? <laughs> no, go ahead. Don't apologize. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, everybody. Um, 
Well, okay. So what I was wanting to say was that, um, you know, we really, this la- the last show at 7th Street was so, I think, monumental in, in, in several ways. And I think like one of, one of the ways was we created such a great relationship with Colin Bracewell and Derby. And we met, you know, I remember like Colin Bracewell and I would meet, like we met like three weeks before the show even happened. And we were like, you know, how do we get tickets out? How do we make this night magical? And then we started collaborating. We called Dury, Austin Dury from Dury. And, you know, there was just like, all this, like, just collaboration before the show even happens. And, and I'm, I don't see that a lot. And I, I've never done it before. And it was just a new experience of how shows can be played, you know, where everybody's, all the bands are creating relationships with each other and promoting together and uh, lifting each other up and constantly commenting on each other's posts and, you know, all that stuff. And just, like, really building momentum and sharing fans and on all those kinds of things. So... I, where I want to see the band go as far as playing shows and, and stuff is to continue to just like make relationships with people, like deep relationships. And we've already got, and we can't tell you about the next show or can we, I don't guess we can. Um, it, this will be on the record. So no pressure to say anything you don't want to share in advance. <laughs> well, we've got a really fun show coming up and we've not released it yet, but it's going to be in November. And, um, and we've already got like this whole, like concept about how to promote it. And we, we collaborated with another band to do that. And we may have played with them in the past. So anyway, <laughs> that, that's coming. That's <laughs> but yeah, anyway, just creating like really deep relationships and like, you know, um, yeah, that kind of thing. So. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure if anyone has been following the band, we'll, Stay tuned for and or uh, see when that gets announced, uh, whenever that may be, and see what the that'll unfold into. Um, cool. Uh, I always love ending interviews with the same question, just like I start them kind of with the same question. Um, as people who are all members of, I guess, the quote unquote Minneapolis scene, just as musicians who play and write music here in the Twin Cities, um, you've I'm guessing been interacting with a lot of other bands and musicians, so. What have been some of your recent favorite local bands or artists uh, that you've been just kind of tuning into? And uh, even if it's just something or someone that's new to you, uh, just love to spread the love, I guess, with a lot of the other really cool bands that we have here in this little city we call hometown. Um, I always give people a second to pull up their Spotify's or their Apple Music's if they need to here. But uh, yeah, some shout outs. Oh man, I love this question. I love <laughs> our local scene so much. So um, probably my my favorite bands. Well, Bugsy is a really good one. Um, I'm friends with Griff, and we were neighbors for the past two years. So that is yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we live in the same building, and we kick it sometimes. So yeah, Bugsy is Bugsy is super fun. I love their music to death. I love. Um, marmalade is really cool we were just we just talked about marmalade and how cool they are um we love immaculate beings vile vile gully yeah. boys, we, gully boys. Just, <laughs> saw them on saturday yeah um, mortimer yeah. Yeah, oh i was literally there i didn't i don't oh, think we yeah. recognized each other hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah oh man there's so many good ones no one no one's feeling excluded because there's like you said so many good ones too many to list 
Yeah, Static Panic. Yeah. Oh, why, yeah. why not? I like Rogue. Um, there's no left. I actually run like a little local music playlist, and I'm just constantly adding bands, and it's so fun. I'd say my my favorite is between two. I I really like Dury. Um, I really like their sound. I think it's something that's been missing um, for a while, and the nostalgia of it is is pretty cool for me um, personally. Um, aside from that, I've been a fan of One Up for quite a while. Uh, we played back in my old band in college with Brian. Uh, we actually had them come down or up to Fargo for a show, and they were what 15, 16, something yeah, like that. Very young. <laughs> yeah, and they were just shredding out there, and I was like, "Holy shit, these guys got!" <laughs> they were wearing onesies. Uh, they were wearing onesies. I was like, "This is great!" Oh, like, and, <laughs> like where they started and where they've like where they are now, like such a talk about a spectrum of music. Um, wow. Super cool. All really talented. They're all really good good dudes and. Um, I've been a fan of theirs uh, for a while. Um, yeah. Also, I really like Hippocampus, but I don't know. They're too big to be local. Now. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a bit of a normie take. I'm not going to lie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that me. Andrew? Um, I really like Dairy as well. Um, I was introduced to them at our, our last show at the entry. Um, I thought they were really cool. It's just really interesting sound and like all the and all the best ways to and like nostalgic indie pop is that what they call it right yeah, yeah. just like yeah, yeah that, that sounds right <laughs> I've ever heard. yeah yep. and then another artist uh i was just looking up on the phone a second ago but it hasn't come up with anything since like 2019 but i i miss nookie jones i i think he, their stuff is Absolutely awesome, like R and B, neo soul sort of thing. But you, you showed me them probably in 2019. They're so good. <laughs> they're so, yeah, they're so good. They're Cuba but you're the greatest. And uh, <laughs> listen to their listening. <laughs> he's probably listening. Yeah. Keyboard some Nookie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. No, he's great. He's already listening. Come back. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, my favorite, uh, <laughs> I've got to say Dury also. Yeah. Uh, Coyote Kid does, it also has Austin Dury in it. Yes. Just, just, They're still a band, yeah. right? Because they put out their, their really cool album in like 2019 or 2020, but been, Austin's been focusing on Dury, obviously, for the last like year or so. But I guess, yeah. brief tangent, yeah. hopefully they're continuing and will come back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just I, I saw their show recently. Uh, it was it was amazing live, and just you know, their fans are die hard, and it's it's so cool to see them have such a, a fine niche. And um, you know, Dury also, um, yeah, New Primals. Oh yeah, blows my mind. So cool, blows my mind. I, I caught their last show at Mortimer's uh, before they left to Seattle. Um, I was going to catch them this weekend, but something came up. Um, and that night was so hard this last Saturday because, um, Juana Bianca was playing like Amsterdam, which by the way, Juana Bianca, big new favorite. I, and same, I, same. <laughs> awesome. Well, I was going to ask Juana Bianca played, uh, your, uh, show. At, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. Because they're, That's- uh, very recent favorites. I, I caught them opening, I think for Monocle, a plant. I, I saw them at seventh street like a month ago and, just knocked my socks off. They're a really, really sick new band. 
Yeah. Haley's awesome. And like, we've mm-hmm. been doing a lot of back and forth and I'm trying to set up some shows in the near future with them. Um, have you been talking yeah. about them for a month or two now? Mm-hmm. They've, they've been brought up for people to collaborate with for sure. Yeah. Like sludge pop. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just heard early eyes too. I don't know. I also wanted to shout out on uh, national park service. Oh, come on. Boo, boo. They suck. <laughs> Dude, you know Sage lives at Iowa House, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I do know that. <laughs> yeah, their new album, oh man, I listened to it so much and it was really a treat. And then Keeper Cheap was great. Um, yeah, new single coming from them. Alien Very Book exciting. Club. Yeah, um, Alien Book Club. They hosted us at the Astro Lounge one time. Oh, cool. Love them. They're so cool. Their, their music is so zany. Yeah. And uh, Bloodwire Angel is really cool. Um, I'm just gonna stop. Let's just okay. say what it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you might as well just be scrolling through like our past podcast guests <laughs> at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. They're all so but, good. We love the local scene, and I do. I do have to do one more shout out, and that's Careful Gaze. Gabriel. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. my gosh. They're so they're so cool. Preston, Gabe, I don't know the rest of them, but I should. I Aslan is one of the other ones, and I think they've added recent members. So I'm I'm feeling yeah. a little ashamed too. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're amazing and uh, so sweet. I just and so welcoming, and you know you don't always get that in Minnesota. So it's as like me from West Virginia, like it's just it's so it's so beautiful when it happens. Um, you you get people that like want to connect and collaborate mm-hmm. and create together. So, yeah, no, d- definitely some of the sweetest guys I've I've met in Minneapolis. Very, love That's love awesome. careful gaze. Um, yeah. Did we did we miss There's anybody? Were there any last minute shout outs? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've covered like most bands. <laughs> I know. I feel like there's gonna be like two bands that we left out. And oh, I'm gonna be so like, mad when I do. Prince. Oh, okay. Okay. I know it came out in July, but congratulations! That's a huge thing just for any band to do, and you have a lot to be proud of. Congrats on the shows. That's super sick. Um, check out Revelations. Like I said before, it's on any streaming service. It's on Bandcamp. If you want to shoot the guys a few bucks. Um, Check out some of their future shows and uh, thanks again. It was this was a blast. Thanks so much. Thank you. September twenty ninth. The Ear Coffee Podcast is a companion to the blog of the same name. If you like this episode, please leave us a rate and review so we can stand out among the other music podcasts. You can follow us at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ear Coffee. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>